magical place we could go. So close your eyes and make a wish for the skies with the angriest, flappiest birds and the seas with ridiculous fish. The Dutch Arcade Show is here again. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Touch Arcade Show, episode number 527. Uh, unpredictable internet episode. We'll so we goes. are, we will see how this one will go. Uh, we might have to pull the eject button at some point. I'm not sure if things get too weird. Pod- we'll see. Podcasting over a fax machine right now. We are sending faxes back and forth to make a podcast. Um, so it yeah, no video again with this the, week. Um, with the lo-fi theme of the week, though, honestly. That's true. So, so I think we, if you if either of us sounds mega roboty, it's just uh, you know, it's it's on brand. It's on brand. It's we're recording po- this podcast through the play dates that we got. Um, so we're we recording it over voice chat on uh, original Half Life. Yeah. <laughs> what was the first I'm trying to think of the first PC game that had voice chat in itself. I know like uh I, I was know. playing the original Quake, but there was like third party voice chat things because yeah. they like had I, I don't think you could connect to servers in Quake. You had to use like these weird like third party matchmaking things. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. played on this thing called M Player, I remember that had had mm. voice stuff, but I don't know. I never messed with any of that stuff. Even uh, I don't think I played online stuff until Xbox. So, oh man, you missed out no, no. on a whole world of becoming a twisted, deranged individual. You uh, know, I got to experience it all secondhand because I had a buddy who was very heavily into like um, PC games and playing online and playing Doom. Oh and yeah, running crazy mods on Doom, and I was always just like amazed that he was like talking to other people while playing doom yeah so i feel like uh people used to be nicer to each other on the internet yeah there's definitely more of a camaraderie when it was like a weird niche thing (laughs) yeah like i feel like and i don't i don't know if this is just anecdotal or whatever but i definitely feel like um like so i think i first got i got i think we got america online in like early 90s like 1993 or whatever and i feel Mm. like everyone that I met either, you know, just fucking around doing stuff online or in chat rooms or in games or whatever, up into like the early 2000s were like, by and large, very friendly. And I actually still am friends with some of those people that I met all, you know, a million years ago. But then like Xbox Live happened. And that ruined everything. Huh? And it was like, yeah, it was like, instead of like, oh, hey, wow, cool. Like you're, uh, you know, we're in this weird news group and you seem neat and like, oh, cool. We're playing this game together. That's cool that we've figured out how to connect to each other and play online. It's, yeah. uh, let me tell you how hard I fucking banged your mom last night. And, <laughs> you know, like every other thing you can think of. Very true. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. I met those early America online, like chatting with random stranger days. I couldn't even imagine doing something like that now. I guess people do like, well, what's the... Um, I mean, consider the first few years of Twitter, I feel like we're very similar to that vibe. Because yeah. it's like a weird little thing yeah. that, um, 
you know, like you kind of, I don't know, before it went totally mainstream, not to sound like a fucking hip Twitter hipster or anything, but. Uh, it is true, it though. It was different. such a different vibe in the earlier years. I think I think it had a lot to do with, um, I think the beginning of the end for, there's although there's been many, many beginning of the ends <laughs> for Twitter. Um, right. <laughs> was, remember when they changed it so you no longer saw mentions of people that you didn't follow? Uh-huh. Like, so for instance, like if I, um, you know, like if I was tweeting at Sean and you didn't follow Sean back in the day, if you followed mm-hmm. me, you would still see me tweeting at Sean. You would Sean. still see, I, you would see everything someone tweeted basically. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there's everything on their, their feed. There's like no, no filter basically. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I really think that like that functionality is where most of my like, uh, OG Twitter friends came from. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. it was like, you know, if, if like I follow you, uh, I know that we share a lot of interests. So like the people mm-hmm. that you're talking to, like, it, you mm-hmm. know, you would, it was like a, a re- very different experience going through Twitter and that like, you'd be like, oh, who's this Mike Mead guy that Jared keeps tweeting at? Let me see what he's up to. <laughs> oh, this weirdo is right. really into like speed running mobile games. He seems cool. Yeah. Let me follow yeah. him. And then like, so your, your, your network would like spider out based on that. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is just so much better than how everything now is where it's like, oh, hey, you uh, retweeted something in favor of gay people. Let me show you all these awful people that think they should be dead. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, cool. I, I love the, the exact now. opposite of what you want. Yeah. It's like, cause, yeah, cause, I think I, I told you I, I started a burner Twitter account, right? And, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't tweeted with it. I haven't followed anyone. Nobody's followed me. And it's just this zero nothing account. And every day still, this is like six months ago I started this thing up. It recommends me like the craziest, like, um, I don't know, crazy like right wing stuff all constantly. And uh, I'm just like, I don't really want to like lynch Joe Biden or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. want to see this guy. And every single time, every recommendation I've blocked the person it recommended and it has not stopped still. Yeah. Or it hasn't even got the hint of like, this dude has blocked every recommendation. Let's like swing the entire other way and recommend all this other stuff. Like, no, as in one's recommended me something that I actually want to see in any way. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, I, I feel like, um, you know, it all kind of goes back to this. Um, and I don't remember the name of the study, but if you just search on Google for like anger is the most powerful emotion for sharing on the internet yeah, or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. something along yeah. those lines. Um, yeah. there was a study that someone did over, um, I want to say it was like the the Chinese social network kick or something like that, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. they they had some algorithm that determined like the um, it tried to determine like the overall emotion of a message, you know, whether it was like funny or sad yeah. or angry or you know, like a few different categories. And they made this like yeah. mind map of um, like the those emotions and how those things got like whatever the equivalent of like retweeted or shared or favorited was. And it was mm. like anger was like 80% of the map yeah. because, because it's like, you know, if you see something True, mad, though. it's like you engage with it. You would tell them like, Hey, you fucking suck or get out of here. Or yeah. Yeah. All this stuff, you know? So I don't know. I, I've definitely been, been a party to that too, where I feed into the thing everyone's mad at or whatever. And, you know, feel self-righteous talking about how much I think, you know, murder is bad or like yeah. whatever, you know? You know what, um, I, what I've been trying to do? So we have this like totally awful community Facebook group that instead of next door by us and I, I, my thing, uh, my hobby has been try to 
what can I do to appease these people that are just ranting? And it's usually about ranting about like something really stupid. Like, oh, I, w- I went to McDonald's and I said no, no pickles on my cheeseburger and I got pickles on it. Right. And uh, these people shall all be fired and all this stuff. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just comment like, hey, post your receipt. I'll just Venmo you money. <laughs> and it's like it like breaks these people's brains. Like, well, no, no, what? no, no, I don't want my money it's back. The, it's the principle. It's, the, yeah. it's like, OK, well, you just want to be mad then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I don't know. But there's a lot to not be mad about this week, which includes the sponsor of this podcast, which you should uh, get into. (laughs) Thanks for reminding me. We almost almost just were like, screw the podcast this week. Nothing's working. And then I was like, oh, man, we actually have a sponsor this week. So probably should get that out of the way, huh? Um, So this week's episode is sponsored by The Day We Fought Space. And um, what do I haven't had a sponsor in so long? We just read some copy maybe halfway through the show, or should I get the uh, message I mean, out now? Usually te- tease a little bit now, you know, who the sponsor is, and then set an alarm on your phone for like 30 minutes and we'll do it again. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, thank you to uh, Terciops Studios um, for sponsoring this week's podcast and their upcoming game, The Day We Fought Space. Tell you a little bit more about that. A little bit later and uh actually you know unprompted by sponsorship i posted about their game this week too so (laughs) it finally has a release date so uh check out that story too but nice um typical arcade shilling for sponsors shilling um uh you did remind me though to uh let's get these emails out of the way that i always forget until the last second of the podcast um only a few of them so we'll, we'll zip through these um, Cody writes in and says, hi guys, I've been enjoying Rocket League Sideswipe ever since you gave it game of the year. Oh, hell yeah. And one thing I found interesting is that it doesn't have any in-app purchases. There's a currency, an item shop, and a free battle pass, but no IAP on iOS or Android. Do you think this has anything to do with the Apple versus Epic drama? Doesn't and what do you think Apple's plan is for this game? As IAP? A free battle pass. You can't free buy anything pass. in this game still, which is weird. I don't um, know. That's so interesting. Like, I've been wondering about that. Oh, sorry. Continue. Oh, well, no, we can, he says, thanks, Cody Mims. And then he says, P.S., who or what is Bugmane? And that's, <gasps> that's on you to get into all that. But first, so Rocket League, yeah, I thought that was weird right from the get-go, where I was like, this game is, like, literally free, and there's nothing. You can, like, grind for cosmetic items and stuff like that, but you can't even, like, buy your way to get more. Um, there's no way to, like, buy coins in the the other versions of the game and have them transfer over or something even weird like that. Um so I, I, until this email, hadn't really thought about, does this have to do with Epic versus Apple? Maybe it does, because Epic is not hurting for money or anything like that. So I could see them just being like, whatever, I don't care. Just take the in-app purchase stuff out, because I don't want to give Apple any of our money. Or maybe it would even just look bad during our trial or whatever, and they're not like super concerned about it, because this is they make gajillion dollars every day anyway i don't know i I think it my theory on this has been that it's like just way more simple than that in that they just want um like mind share of rocket league you know that too which is a very valuable thing yeah if like the the bread and butter of rocket league is them selling um you know copies of the game and stuff inside of um, you know the the switch and pc and every other platform it's on um, you know, you really need to have a controller to play that. But, you know, if you're at work and want yeah. your Rocket League fix, 
Yeah. That it's like, all right, well, here, play this game too. And it'll keep you, you know, engaged in Rocket League. And then when you come home, you play the real version. Yeah. No, I totally buy that too. I think that's uh, a good, good explanation for it too. I originally was like, I think they're just going to like, it's just a goodwill thing. And that eventually they're going to be like, oh, this season we introduce a paid battle pass or something. That can still happen too. But um, I don't know. I don't think they're, they're tripping on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, the concept of like an advert game is not necessarily a new thing on mobile. They're just typically right. very no, bad. Yeah. Right. You know? So, yeah. so I don't know. I, I, I really think it's a fairly logical, um, you know, potential conclusion that someone could like download this game on their phone. Cause they heard their friend talking about rocket league or whatever and like mm-hmm. it and be like, Oh shit, like this is really good. Like I gotta get this on my PlayStation or like whatever else. And oh, it's free everywhere else too, except those ones you'll eventually buy stuff. <laughs> yeah. If you want, honestly, too, like every version of Rocket League, you don't have to buy anything. So yeah, I guess the um, surprising thing to me uh, of of things like this is um, why wouldn't you link the ecosystems together? Because I think like that's the real force multiplier in getting yeah. people to buy things, right? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like oh, cool, I can buy this. You know, I can buy the DeLorean and I just get it everywhere. That's pretty cool. Like that's what I really yeah, like right. about. Um, you know, not that I'm super into Fortnite or whatever, but that's what, that's one of the things that I like really like about Fortnite and I guess games like Hearthstone and stuff like that is it's just kind of like, Hey, buy stuff in this if you think it's cool and then use right. it anywhere you feel like playing the game. Like, I think that's a really yeah. cool trend. Um, I do too. And it's, 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 it's kind of like a to- coin toss anymore, whether a company goes that route or goes like the mobile is an exclusive version route. Yeah. Um, so, but either way, uh, pretty cool that rocket league keeps coming out with new content and new um, seasons and all the sort of stuff you would expect from like a regular free-to-play game but there's no way to pay any money for it at least yet so yeah yeah pretty crazy um so who or what is bug main eli uh it's it's kind of a long story this be its own episode not really i mean so i (laughs) one of my favorite podcasts is um the doughboys which is this um kind of ridiculous sort of like the premise of the podcast is they review fast food restaurants right and it's just kind of uh, um that's kind not of, ridiculous well it's just it's just sort of absurd to kind of like really get into like digging into like the different menu items and like the sauce options and like you know all this <laughs> yeah. i don't know it's just like talking about dumb bullshit right and I, I really like that and um it's it's kind of in that sort of ecosystem of um all these people that work behind the scenes of like all these like really famous TV shows and stuff like that, that, that you might like um, the, the, uh, the internet has basically allowed them to have like their own weird little platform that exists in the corner yeah. of the internet, you know? So like yeah. they have a lot of people on that, like they're friends with a lot of people from um, just like the Los Angeles comedy scene, which, uh, crosses mm-hmm. over into like writers for all of these different like Netflix shows and yeah. all sorts of stuff. And you're like, these people are not like typically like the, the people you'd ever see on camera, but you know, they're, they're working behind mm-hmm. the scenes and are just like truly hilarious with like the crazy stuff that they come up with. Right. So, yeah. um, format of the show typically is split, you know, like, like most podcasts, like they get a guest on and like half the episode is like them just like talking shit about like whatever, the guest is working on which you know could be like oh i'm, I'm working on the new season of like brooklyn 99 or, or whatever else right um you know and they'll share like crazy stories of like the writer's room or you know like just other other sort of like uh kind of like uh i don't know like comedy industry sort of like low level stuff that's very uh, interesting to me that you just like 
never would really know about unless you're mm-hmm. kind of like in that scene, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, right. And so one one of the one of the guests they get on is is this guy named Bugmane that um is just kind of like I I don't know like the the podcast equivalent of like the like the loose cannon wacky character that used to show up on like every uh like morning radio shock jock kind of thing <laughs> you know what i'm talking about like like just kind of like uh-huh. the guy who just comes on and just causes complete chaos for like 10 minutes and then leaves like that's that's basically Bugmane in the doughboys universe and he uh just i don't know a, a very silly kind of like twitter persona and everything else and mm-hmm. um i don't know it's just it's just like it's one of these things that will just never be funny if you explain it because it's like inside jokes compounding yeah, right. on inside <laughs> jokes compounding on inside jokes. So it's like, yeah. um, I don't know. So, so that's, that's basically the, the long and short of it. And like the whole community surrounding this of people that like think all this dumb shit is funny, have like created all these other things that are pretty funny. And, but you have mm-hmm. to like, I don't know. It's, it, it's funny to about a hundred people. Basically you had to be there. It's yeah, well. It's yeah. not you had to be there. It's just a matter of like, yeah. I guess he did kind of had to be there. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool. I've uh, I've laughed from the sidelines at your weird antics with the the bug, the bug cult stuff. Yeah. So. I mean, his his he kind of went viral on Twitter a few years ago by like uh, like talking about how like we switched over to the simulation at. Uh, when the when the planes hit the two towers on 911 oh, yeah. which is like such a i mean that's like the, the perfect example of like the kind of shit that he'd be on about just like total nonsense that like he just says so confidently that it's just yeah. like oh uh, okay yeah all right let's yeah. let's hear it. where are you going with this yeah right um this is uh non-related um i have i have a um so Torchlight Mobile is coming out, right? And <clears throat> they previously were like, "Do you want to?" I thought that was coming out like years ago. It's been in the works for years. Um, actually, a different version was in the works for a long time, and then they kind of scrapped it. And then this is the latest. Like I, I remember iteration, s- but... seeing something like that, like when E three still <laughs> existed, right? Yeah, it was many for many years. Torchlight has been rumored to be coming to mobile, but um, oh gosh, so what's happening? So anyway. So they they asked if I want to be in the beta before, and I was like, yes. And it was like, okay, here's the test flight, like normal thing. Um, and then um, the test, the beta ended, servers went offline for a while, everything got wiped, the beta, um, the app no longer opened, whatever. And so then they emailed me again. We're like, we're going to do another beta. Do you want to be in on that? And I'm like, sure. Thinking like they'll just refresh the build and test flight and whatever. No, they sent me the IPA file and all these crazy instructions on how to load them onto your phone and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. So for the first time in, I don't know how many years I have my phone plugged into my computer so I can transfer a app over to it. And, um, yeah. So now I, I mean, this has been this way for a couple of years now, I think, but now your phone doesn't sync through iTunes anymore. It opens up in the finder window. Oh yeah. Um, Don't you use some like weird, uh, Apple program to, to do this, right? No, it's just the find the regular finder window, um, like off to the side where it would say you had like a external hard drive plugged in or something like that. And you could like choose, I want the Mac hard drive or I want this external hard drive. Well, now you can also choose, that's where your phone shows up. So you can choose your phone almost like it's an external disc. 
Um, but you, and then you click on it, and you do all the same stuff you used to do in iTunes. If you wanted to sync it with your computer or do an update the iOS through the computer, which is like weird to even think that I used to do things that way. But um, it used to always uh, screw me over because I was like really uh, particular about my music library. And I was like the dinosaur that still loads like actual yes, music yes, files yes. onto my phone instead weirdo. of using like, I've now switched to, I have Apple music. So I kind of just rock that. But, um, but before it used to always drive me nuts cause you would plug it in and it would auto automatically start syncing. And it would usually like start deleting the music on my phone to try and match it to whatever I was doing on my computer. Cause nothing was staying in sync over the air. And, um, so anyway, I just plugged my phone in for the first time in years and it said it's syncing stuff and I don't know what is going to happen now. I might unlock my phone to a completely different experience. It might be a whole new uh, huh. world. Yeah, speaking so of I'm which, scared. Um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine about um, like you know, how much I'm going hog wild with Analog Pocket and buying cartridges because mm-hmm. I'm a fucking moron and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how the RG351V is pretty much better than the analog pocket in every way except the screen <laughs> yeah. and uh, all this stuff. And he was telling me he's like, uh, he's fucking around with Delta on his phone through Alt Store. Yeah. Right. And <clears throat> apparently, like, it has gotten just insanely good. Yeah. Um, as far as like the emulation it could do and stuff like that. Like, you know. Yeah. But a lot it of can it can do like GameCube and Wii and stuff, I think. <laughs> well, N64 and yeah, like I mean, because like we think about it, like modern phones are really fucking fast, right? Yeah. Right. So um yeah, and I was like, oh damn, like maybe I should fiddle around with that. Yeah, I do whole... need one more dumb emulation <laughs> device to spend hours setting up. <laughs> Wait till you've dumped enough time into your analog and you feel like, okay, I'm over. By that time, hopefully we'll have Steam decks and that'll give you something new to fuck with. But the, yeah, all the Delta stuff has been pretty fascinating for a while because I think like a lot of that stuff fell off the radar with most people, right? And so once it became like pretty easy to install all that stuff like with through the method that they use, everyone, like no one really bothered except like a pretty hardcore like audience of people that like pay this dude's patreon well, and stuff to like I, keep developing this. i think that so it's altstore.io which is exactly spelled yeah. exactly how it sounds um you basically run this little um server thing on your computer that when your iphone's connected mm-hmm. to it it kind of like acts like a, a mini uh local app store that you can mm-hmm. then uh you know download all this stuff on but i think i think that's like you know, it, I guess it works really. I've never, I personally have never messed with this because I've just been like, you know, I have a million things that can emulate games. Like, I'm very, right. very happy that this exists. I think that Riley's an awesome guy. I love following him on Twitter because he's yeah, always yeah, doing yeah. something cool. But like, I have a million ways to emulate games. Like, you know, right. I'm just like, uh, right. so I haven't really fiddled with it. But um, I, I think the reason you don't hear about it so much anymore is because like there was this. I, th- I think the cat and mouse game between them and like Apple was was very exciting for people because like, remember. Um, it was like every couple of weeks it was like, Hey, we got another enterprise certificate. Like everyone get in on this. Like, this is how you download yeah. the emulator. Like go, 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 go. Cause you got to click this now. It's the only way to get this yeah. on your phone. Um, yeah. and I always thought yeah. that that was kind of fun. You know, it was like, uh, everyone right. dogpile in on getting yeah. these things on your phone that you're not really supposed to have on your phone. And then it would break. There would like, always be someone later. be like, Oh, I was at work all day. It's gone already. I didn't yeah, get yeah. it. <laughs> so I think like, I don't know, like <clears throat> it had like the excitement of like a Supreme drop or something like that. But it was like, yeah. Oh, Oh fuck. Like a new version of Delta hit. And they got a new enterprise certificate. You finally install it. It's got, it's got uh, yeah. a super Nintendo support this time. Go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. 
No, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, never mind yeah, the yeah. fact that like I basically never played games with it. It was all just the rush of like getting yeah. it, getting it set up, loading your phone with ROMs, yeah. like verifying that Super yeah. Mario World would run, and then like that would be the end of it. Never messing with it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I should. I I messed with the All Store when it first came out just to see how it worked, and then I never really did anything beyond that. But that was a couple, few years ago now. So, but yeah, <clears> if you've <throat> got like a around with what is what is the uh, the bone controller? What was that thing called again? The backbone, backbone, yeah, or something like that. I guess like Delta yeah. paired with like that sort of shit is supposed to just be fucking amazing. So really, I yeah. am gonna fiddle with that this weekend, maybe. Yeah, uh, give it I don't a go. Have a Steam Deck to fiddle with anymore. Give it a go. So you can um, you can spend a couple hours configuring Mario sixty four, get the first star, and then never <laughs> never touch it again. Never play it again. Yeah, that's probably how it'll go. All right. Um, well, next email. We can talk about this all day. Yes. Moving on to emails. Um, that I am now trying to pull up again. Okay, so this comes from um, Jack Hurley, who says, Hi, the Touch Arcade Show. This is Jack Hurley. I was listening to the last episode of your podcast. This is from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And it sounds like Jared and Eli are fans of word games. I've got a good one for them. It's called Letter Pick. It's an iOS game and is on the App Store. It is free and has no ads. I created the game simply for people to enjoy and not to make money. Uh, It's super simple and doesn't require a lot of time, just a minute or two a day. I think the guys would really enjoy it, and I definitely appreciate hearing their thoughts and having them spread the game. And then he links to his game below. Okay, well, that was a free ad for Jack's video game. <laughs> I'll download it. Uh, letter pick. I, I remember that I included this in a um, the new games roundup a couple of weeks ago. It's probably on my phone, um, but I have not actually played it yet. So, um, Jack, thanks for emailing. I will... Uh, oh, yeah, letter pick right here. Um haven't got to it yet, but uh, I'll play it and we'll talk about it again next week. How's that sound? I um, uh, I've been big. In, I, I'm just a Wordle and crossword dipshit. That's, I, that's all. I have four Wordles that I bounce between. Oh my god! So I only play the but original. But I'm one. so annoyed that my main Wordle. So when Wordle first first came out, I think I started playing around Christmas, and then um, I got to 51 game streak, and so from the moment I started playing, I hadn't missed one for 51 straight games. And then um, something dumb, I ended up losing, and I was bummed out. My streak got broke, whatever. Um, and then I started up a new streak, and that one I got up to um, 58 or something like that. Let's see. Yeah, max streak is now 58. Three days ago, I got stumped on one that I couldn't. It was one of those ones where it was like three of the five letters are all right and all in the right space. And then you just have to go through oh, as many I, different, I, like, I, is I, it take or is it make or is it bake or is it race? Yeah. I um, think, I think, it, I think <clears throat> the last four were like R A C E and it was like brace trace, like, you know, like, well, I, I rem- the it was foyer was the one. Oh. And I think I did like Homer boner, like <laughs> anything I could think of. And then it was foyer. And I was like, Oh, I'm so angry that I, I, I got it like almost right on the second guess and then blew the rest of my guesses just trying to go through these different like variations. Yeah, of a, couple of, word. a couple of days ago, <clears throat> Oxide blew out most of my friends. That Oxide. Had yeah, um, Oxide was a, a tricky. I got that one on the third guess somehow. Uh, so did I. Uh, so so here's and here's the dumb luck of how I, how mm-hmm. I did it is I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a there's a teacher on TikTok that like does it uh, the daily wordle with their class. And what oh, cool. she does, yeah. her technique that I haven't seen before is, um, you know, when, when she has letters, she'll she'll put the letters where she thinks they go and then just put X's for 
um, you know, like the, uh-huh, I'm not uh-huh. sure what these are. Yeah. So I had, right. I had IDE and did, you know, two X's in the beginning and I was like, oh, I'll just try oxide. I mean that. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Like <laughs> that was mine. Like, I don't think it's this, this seems a little too random for this game to have a word like this, but then that was what the word was. So, yeah. um, yeah, one of the games I played, I think we talked about this that week that we talked about the word games was, um, lets you do that in the app. It lets you pick the spot and then pr- place letters um, when you know where they go, which Wordle doesn't let you do. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of do it in your mind. And I feel like it's so much easier to visualize when you're like, okay, the the D, the R, and the E are all in the right spots and I have to figure out the other two spaces. Um, when you can like see that, something about it makes it easier. So, Yeah, yeah, anyway. I don't, that's, that's where the X's <clears throat> come in. So give that a go. Yeah. Um, okay, so thanks, Jack, writing in. Uh, and then our last email that I have to read um, comes from Graham. He says a couple weeks ago when we were, or was this last week that we were talking about um, calculators because the TI oh, yeah. 93 or whatever, the TI 89. Calculators have their place in tabletop wargaming, he says. Uh, I still use a Casio FX CG50 to program repetitive dice rolls and chart lookups. Oh, Speeds up play. Sometimes writing the programs is more interesting than the actual games. Uh, they also got me interested in computer program- programming in the first place, which uh, never knew that. They don't know anything about that side of the world, the tabletop wargaming world, but makes a lot of sense that you would write little computer calculator programs to uh, help you out or whatever. Yeah, so I, that's I always cool. kind of got shit on in school for doing that. Because um, my, my thing always was like, like I, I wouldn't learn how to do the work. I would learn how to like program my calculator to do the work. So like I could yeah, always get right. all the answers right, but like couldn't do it out on paper. And like I always had this, you know, like back and forth with my teachers being like, look, this is, I'll show yeah. you the, I'll show you the program I wrote in the calculator to like, you know, do this formula. Like it's, you know, I understand how this works. I just, you know, I, why would I ever need to do this on paper? Well, you're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. Yeah. Fucking turns out that turned out to be <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. I'd love to get into tabletop stuff. There's a, uh, there's a place <clears throat> near me that, that I found recently that does like Friday night magic and Warhammer and all that stuff. And I always watch people play Warhammer. I'm like, Oh, that looks so cool. But like, I need another hobby that costs a thousand dollars. Like I need another hole in my head. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> Seriously, right? Because so. uh, there's, I don't know anyone that just like casually dabbles in uh, Warhammer. I just want to dabble in painting miniatures. Like, yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no. It's like um, you. That's a lifestyle, my friend. Yeah, I, I own the. I bought the Codex a couple of years ago. The, the book with all the rules. And it was like a hundred bucks, and that's just like. And I was complaining about that. My friends that play Warhammer are like, "Oh, dude, that's the cheapest part." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, so thank you, Graham, for emailing in and uh, giving us that insight. And then, of course, anybody else wants to shoot us an email, podcast at touchercade.com. Just say hello or send us your thoughts about anything whatsoever. And we'll read your email on air as long as it's not too uh, too profane. Actually, who cares? If it's really profane, we'll read it anyway. Um, <laughs> so I was going to jump into – I wanted to mention this, and then we'll cut into our commercial, and then we can spend the whole rest of the podcast talking about Play Day. But, um, sure. Uh, Sean wrote this really cool list of the best Nintendo 3DS games that you need to buy before the eShop closes. Um, for those that don't know, the 3DS and the Wii U eShops um, are being shut down in March of next year. So you have about a year um, 
to buy stuff from it that you want to keep on your devices going forward. Um, after the shop closes, you should still be able to download things from your purchase history for an indeterminate amount of time. Nintendo will definitely come out and give you plenty of of like uh, warning if they're ever going to shut down that functionality. But um, yeah, you could as probably, far as I know, I think <clears throat> probably also like, treat that as like here's the list of cartridges you should buy before they become just absurdly valuable. True, very true. Well, this is all <clears throat> digital eShop games, so it's a lot of oh, stuff right. that's not boxed. But there probably is some crossover. But um, anyway, because I've noticed I, um, ever since <clears throat> I started dabbling in buying retro stuff because i'm a complete fucking moron uh mm. the 3ds and wii stuff is not awful right now right yeah no it's 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 like there's this weird period of many years i would say where stuff that's it's just old dumb game boy advance games who even cares right they're two bucks each or whatever and then all of a sudden it's like oh suddenly i hit this point in my life that i need to recollect all of my childhood video games and so I'm rushing out to find and buy these things wherever I can. And then, like, it seems like all the values go up, like, all at once. And I feel like the last couple of years that's happened yeah. to, um, like, Game Boy and Game Boy Advance stuff. So Well, and Goodwill is extremely wise to this now, too. Like, um, I really... I know. We were just talking about this the other day. Yeah, like, I, I really didn't have anything going on a couple of days ago. And I was like, oh, well, there's, like, six different Goodwill locations inside of it. I could hit them yeah. all on, like, an hour drive. I got I don't really have anything yeah. going on this evening. Like, I might as well do that. Um, yeah. thinking that I would find like something, right? Yeah. I hit like the first one and I wandered around. I uh, didn't really, you know, they had like electronics, but they didn't seem to have any video game right. stuff. Hit the second one. It was kind of similar. And, you know, I hit the third one and I was like, this is weird. Like, let me ask someone what's going on. And, and I was like, Hey, do you guys have any video game stuff? They're like, Oh, anything that we get like that, we have to send into like the main um, Goodwill in Knoxville, and then they put it up yeah. on the auction site. You know about the auction yeah. site? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know about the auction site. <laughs> yeah, it sucks because that auction site used to be this like sort of like hidden gem thing that nobody really used. Everybody was like, buy stuff from eBay, yeah. But then the Goodwill auction site, and I feel like you would you would see auctions that were like, the people putting up the auction didn't know what they had, right? Yes. They were like, and they no, it's a PSP stuff. Go. I guess it's ten dollars or you know whatever. Um, <clears throat> and you'd be, and nobody would really knew about it, so you'd never really see that many bids. Or even if you did, it'd be like people that weren't going to like break the bank on on making sure they win an uh, auction. So that that has gone way out the window. Now it's basically eBay. Two. <laughs> well, or so Junior. Uh, those those uh, <clears throat> I, that list of cartridges or that group of cartridges that I sent you, the reason that yeah. sold for so cheap is because it was wildly miscategorized. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I we noticed though you 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 noticed a couple of like um, ended auctions that ended at like really reasonable prices that must be like you know maybe somebody just wasn't paying attention at that point or something like that. Like I mean that sort of stuff happens on eBay every once in a while too, but. Um, the, By and large, like the goodwill is just not good. Well, for I, th anything. I think it has a lot to do too with like the site is very, very jank. The app is yeah. arguably worse. <laughs> the yeah. notifications that you get when you're outbid or whatever are yeah. these like real shitty emails that Gmail just piles into one stack. Right. right. Um, so I think it's easy to miss as opposed to like eBay is like a finely tuned machine of like maximizing oh, yeah. how much you spend. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, know. it's rough, man. <coughs> so yeah, don't you, uh, uh, don't go. You got on, into this stuff at the, the wrong time. I know. Don't go to Goodwill site and <clears throat> bid on stuff, please. Yeah. <laughs> Just, um, 
But anyway, check out Sean's list. Um, it's a really good list. I've seen a lot of people comment that um, there's been lists like this going around since they announced the shops were closing at that most of them just feature like all the same boring, like not hidden gems type stuff. There's always those oh, like, yeah. here's the best hidden gems on, you know, PlayStation or something like that. And it's like Resident Evil or yeah, like be Silent sure to, Hill. And you're be like, sure to yeah, download this indie gems. classic Ocarina of Time. Yeah, exactly. And um, Sean's list, I think, actually has some pretty good deep cuts. Um, and especially stuff that's like pretty unique to playing on 3ds, um, that you're not going to be able to like find and play on something else, which is pretty cool. So, um, I'll link this in the podcast post as I always do, but check it out if you have a 3ds and, um, you know, just know you have a little under a year to, uh, spend your monies on the shop there. Another weird thing is that, um, if you add money, to your Switch account, because I think they shut down the functionality already of adding money to the 3DS shop. But if you add it to the eShop on Switch, it actually transfers over. It's You can use it between both, which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, really? So, um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, just a little factoid, at least for now. I don't know if they'll change that anytime soon, but check out Sean's list. Go buy your 3DS games. Um, let us jump into our sponsor script for the week. And then um, we'll do some play date discussion after that. Does that sound okay? Yes. Sounds. <clears throat> Let me clear the old throat, get my advertising voice going. <clears throat> okay, here we go. The Day We Fought Space, a wreck up with spiraling chain reactions, is now available for pre-order on the App Store. In this game that's more about reaction than rehearsal, use physics. Physics to your advantage as you create dynamic chain explosions to take your enemies down. Personalize your ship to best suit your playstyle and the mission at hand with zany weapons such as an orbital blade, ice laser, or wrecking ball. See if you have what it takes to reclaim the solar system in this gritty and dynamic side-scroller. Pre-order now before The Day We Fought Space's official launch on May 26th. Visit thedaywefoughtspace.com forward slash purchase to order now. Cool. Bing, boom, boom. That's my the day we fought commercial space. is over tone. Um, yeah, we've been following this game for a few years since it's been in uh, development. And um, I feel like the last like two years, it's just been radio silence. So it's kind of cool when we got an email this week that was like, hey, it has a release date. I was like, oh, cool. That's why I ended up posting about it anyway. But um, so thank you again for them for sponsoring um, the podcast this week. Yeah, definitely have, check out their I game. Have, I have definitely seen this. It looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool idea for a game. So, um, <clears throat> anywho, uh, so the, the big thing for both of us this week, I guess, is that, um, you got play date, play date, play date in the mail. Yes. What's that? Play yes. date is here. Play date is here. Um, I posted a review as I said, I would, it's a little bit late because I had trouble writing about this thing because, you know, I love this little thing so much. And then I also hate it almost every time I use it, which I feel like yeah, is I a kinda, weird thing to say. I kind of feel like I got over, I got over it. This, the screen definitely like when I got it, uh, you know, my first impression definitely was a, Oh my God, what did I get into? How did this pass? You know? Yeah. It, it's not as bad once you do get used to it. Um, you learn to live with it, I guess, but it doesn't mean that there's not, I mean, almost every time I turn it on to play it, I'm like, I have to adjust myself in some way to see the screen, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And you just sort of learn to live with that. Like I have to angle myself a little weird to, so the light hits the screen right so you can see it. I mean, I guess and, like uh, the the um, the saving grace of this though is that like uh, the the stuff on the play date is not like a okay, cool. I'm going to settle into this Final Fantasy game and play this all weekend long. It's like very not really, yeah. very kind of like bite size. At least the games that I, I have, you're you're you have the whole season unlocked, right? I just have like the first yeah. week. Yeah, um, so, yeah. There's, there there is meteor stuff coming. Okay, but because um, Casual Birder, uh, which is one of the um, first week games, I feel like is reasonably. Mm-hmm. It seems reasonably meaty so far, but right. you know, it's it's not like the, the play date as a system. I feel like is not necessarily a. I'm going to marathon this thing. Yeah. No. Um, and then uh, there's the game. So. There's like the season of games, two of them unlock each week for the next 12 weeks. Um, but then there's the ability to sideload anything you want to this, uh, to the play date. And, um, the f- quote unquote first commercial game is this game called Bloom. And that was something that, um, they'd actually sent out to us in the press that we're doing reviews. They sent an early version to give us an idea of like, this is how you sideload a game. And this is the type of thing that you can just buy off somebody's website or buy off itch.io or whatever. Um, this is like, you know, not part of the season of games or whatever, which is crazy because it's probably the best game out of the whole season. Actually, I don't, I don't know if you can totally say that, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a um... neat little thing that <clears throat> it runs in real time, which I think is a smart thing for a game like this, where it's like, check in and do some stuff and then come back later because you got to wait, wait it out. It's almost like a free to play timer game or something. Yeah. It, well, it's, um, it plays very similar to kind of like the old style, like plant tycoon games that I, I feel like yeah. I don't, I don't really understand why, but it seems like this, that style of game was like the thing for like Palm pilot devices. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what it was about it, but like, I feel like I played so many different versions of different plant tycoon things on like you know my palm trio and other sort of like palm devices back in the day this is like kind of like tickling all those same things for me because it's like that sort of like slowly build up like plants on the roof of your building uh sell them at your flower shop and meanwhile there's this whole like narrative curve surrounding like um uh like kind of like i guess being like a college dropout sort of thing that uh you know and like getting texts from your parents like asking you how school is and you know like hanging out with your friends and like all this stuff yeah. and i don't know i just like really dig the vibe of the whole thing because it's like it's like the games i i used to really enjoy playing on mm-hmm. a new device that's like uh kind of like it's you know the screen's pretty crisp and high res so like it even though it's kind of retro graphics it's still yeah. uh still looks really cool um, and then the whole like narrative aspect of it is something that like none of those games ever had. Yeah. Um, right. Which is pretty cool. The, the one thing that kind of, um, I wish was a bit more advanced was, um, I asked in the, the Playdate discord where discord where the developer is hanging out if, um, the decision or the conversation choices you make matter at all. Um, mm. because I was like, I was like, I don't know if this gets deeper, going into the game because like most pretty much all the choices I have are like the same answer, you know, like, like someone Mm -hmm. asks you a question and your answer will be like, sure. Or sounds good. Right. You know? And I was like, I was like, is this, is this get any more complicated? And they were like, no, like, you know, I wanted to tell like a, a pretty simple story. And so the first game that I've made, which I think, I think that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. 
but yeah, it would be it would be neat to see this game like do well and have those kind of like um, conversations be kind of like meaningful to the actual gameplay rather than just simply mm-hmm. a pretty cool way to tell a story while you're, you know, right. sort of doing this kind of like day to day task of growing up this flower shop. Yeah, right. Right. So, uh, yeah, the <clears throat> the frustrating thing is how much I love this little gadget, except for the screen thing. And then it was hard to write a review around that because that was a big drawback to me, the screen and how it's kind of inconvenient to get it to in the right light to where you can see things clearly. But when you do, God, the screen looks awesome. Like the fact that it's black and white doesn't bother me at all. It has like this amazing range of contrast. It's almost like a black and white OLED screen or something where the darks are super saturated and dark. Um, and it just yeah, makes everything it, really like yeah. clean and pop. If you if you hit the right <clears throat> light, it's like the it's almost like um a Kindle screen in a way where it's like Yeah, wow, it's it like very the, much reminds me of like e-ink or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um which is cool, but you're it, talking it does suck though because like, you know, if I if I go outside and play it on my on my deck, like it's it's amazing. Like, you know, it's right. natural sunlight and stuff like that, but yeah, playing it most of the places that I play games in my house, which is like yeah. sitting at my desk or laying in bed or sitting yeah. on my chair yeah. or yeah. Uh, sitting on the couch or whatever. It's 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 very much like I feel like any time that I'm doing that, I'm like tilting the thing like 30 degrees to like catch some light yeah. from somewhere or whatever. Same. Yeah. Same with me. And that it's a no, it's a bummer in a world where we'd never had to worry about that stuff for decades, yeah. you know, so it's like it stands out. But um, we are also like, <clears throat> it's not as simple as like add a backlight to the device. You can't really do that with this type of screen. Um, and it would kind of change everything. And I had something in my mind. I couldn't remember, I couldn't place this memory, but I was like, I used to have something that was like blue when you hit a button and it lit it up or whatever. And I remembered it, it was my, Indiglo, uh, the watch. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember. And I was like, that's what I want. I want this, but Indiglo, because that was sort of the same situation. Like the watch face, it wasn't like backlit if I remember right. right. Um, and so I feel like if somebody can make an Indiglo light <laughs> attachment for this thing, then I'll be happy. But, um, as is, it's like a fun thing. Just know going into it, like you're going to have to maybe sit in a specific spot so you can see things clearly or, or whatever. It's not the kind of thing you can just pull out um, in a dimly lit room, even not dimly lit. Like my bedroom is well lit, but the lighting comes from nightstand lights, not overhead lights. And um, so it makes it difficult. I have to angle myself towards the light sources to see the screen right if you're playing in bed, which is kind of a bummer for something you want to do in bed. So. Um, but aside from all that stuff, I do love this thing. I think it's, um, as cool as we had hoped it would be. We obviously played this at PAX before, so we had 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 a little experience with it. And, um, but, uh, I think it came out even cooler than I was hoping. Um, and, uh, the future is bright. I think that was like my main takeaway. I felt bad being so negative in the review because I didn't want it to be like that. I don't like this thing because I actually love it. Um, and I also think it has so much potential for so much more cool stuff with the ability to sideload things with, um, the dev kit and then the, the pulp, like web, bra- oh, yeah. web browser dev development thing. Like anybody with no experience whatsoever really could like make a game through pulp and load it onto your thing and put it on your website and have anybody in the world download it and, and play it and whatever. And like, that's really powerful. Like we, we, I hadn't, aside from like Bloom, the 
press preview version that I had sideloaded on the thing to see how it all works and whatever. I hadn't really messed with any um, like third party, I guess, um, Playdate like apps that people had made. Um, and I hadn't even really looked into it since uh, this thing came out. But there's several on um, itch.io that you pointed out. And then I yeah. went through and downloaded every one that I could. Did you download um, the, um, uh, what, what the fuck was the one that I told you to play? Um, oh, the joke, a, a joke the, that's worth 99 well, cents. I haven't played it yet, but I, I, it's, it's, I need it. I need to do the sync. So it syncs it to my, oh, my device, but, um, I did buy it. It's um, like, uh, that was from bacon. Uh, the game meets Playdate, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome so, because so it's like, from the guy that makes bacon the game. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the, the basic premise of the game is, um, you're bouncing a little dude on the crank of the Playdate. So like the, the graphics that you see on the screen is like a Playdate kind of at a, kind of like a 45 mm-hmm. degree, like a 3d Playdate at kind of like a 45 degree angle where you can see the crank and then this guy yeah. drops down and, it's you know, kind of like bacon the game while you're flipping the pan. It's like you're oh bouncing him off of the direction that you have the crank. Yeah, and then so clever. Um, each each bounce kind of like spawns a star sort of like in uh-huh. the reach of where you can bounce the guy. And uh-huh. every star that you get tells you like kind of like another beat of this joke. Yeah. So it like basically starts, I don't remember exactly, but it's like starts out like a guy walks into a bar. Like that's, that's what happens when you get like the first star and then like you bounce them again and and get the second star and it tells you like the next beat of the joke. And like the, the tricky part is it's a lot like, um, all of, uh, Phillips other games in that the, the, the wacky physics kind of like lead you to these kind of like catastrophic failures where you're like still able to bounce a little bit, but you're like, like just going so (laughs) out of control that like, you know, but with this, you need to have the actual like cadence of um, the. You only hear like the next beat of the joke if you get a star after the previous one finished, right? Mm-hmm. So if like mm-hmm. if like while it's telling you a man walks into the bar, you're like cranking like crazy and caught five stars. You're not right. going to. I think it goes to your score, but it doesn't advance the actual joke until like that part is told, and then you get another star after that Mm -hmm, so it's like mm -hmm. um the the strategy of playing this to kind of like get through you know what amounts to like a really wacky narrative of a game that is just Mm -hmm. a a dumb little you know physics thing um is like maintaining the guy but maintaining the guy at like a slow enough pace that you're able to (laughs) like continue the joke hearing the joke without it going totally like off the rails that's funny yeah, what a clever idea for a game, and um, what a good example of like something that's unique to the play date that you can't really do because it has a crank. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, it's just like so funny. I I tweeted out today about like how how silly it is, like how fun and frustrating this game is. You know, which is like basically the 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 gist of all of his games, right? Right. Where um, I was like, the farthest I've gotten is finding out what like the third person says in the joke. And I'm just like, I just want to know what the third person says to the fairy. Like, I just like, can't get there. Like, like, cause that, that'll be like, I don't know, like six or eight stars in or something like that. And at that point, it's like, you're barely hanging on to get, keep at least me, I can barely hang on to keep the guy balanced on the crank. And, 
See, that should be that if they open up in-app purchasability, that's okay. hundred bucks. I'll tell you what the joke is, but well, otherwise you got to get there yourself. I mean, you can, I, I assume you could probably just like unzip the playdate file and probably just listen to the MP3 of the joke, but that would be spoiling it. And I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to see, see you how cheater. far I can get. But I wonder if the joke of this is that it just like ends up looping. <laughs> you know yeah. like like you you get to the you get to the end and it's like yeah and then he says hey do you want to hear a good joke and then like the next star yeah. is like all right so three guys walk into a bar or whatever <laughs> it just keeps starting yeah um yeah it's really pretty good. cool but those are those I, are the two um, games that i've bought on uh itch like a, a lot of them and you know this is I, I feel like the uh you know what you were saying before with the accessibility of um of building stuff on the playdate is going to be like its greatest asset and it's like worst enemy simultaneously yeah, at the right. same time. Right. Because like now yeah. when you um, like, if you go to itch.io and you search for like the playdate tag, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's all like, you can't even find um, a joke that's worth 99 cents on this because it's just like filled yeah. with everyone yeah, which is fine, you know, like, don't get me wrong, like, this is the point of all this, right, where just filled with people, like, making these, like, weird little, like, extremely, extremely mini games. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's okay. Like, there's there's one that uh, you can buy for $3 that counts how many times you can mash the button as quickly as you can. <laughs> I, saw, you know? I saw that one, and I was like, Okay, I, I, it sounds like there might be a little more to it than that, but I was also like, I don't want to, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's going to be kind of interesting to sort of like, there's a, the the one that's kind of impressive. I have no reason to ever get this because I have an iPhone. Is the Pocket Planner? Like someone did a yeah. like weirdly full featured um, like calendaring and kind of like. Uh, I don't know, like a to-do list sort of app for the play date. Yeah. But like the problem is that the, the entering text on the play date is kind of a pain in the ass. So it's like, I don't know right. why you would, I mean, it's cool. I'm, it's cool. This exists. Don't get me wrong. But I just like, don't know why you'd be like, Oh yes, this is what I'm going to use to manage all my appointments. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. Thing. yeah so, no, I know it, would, it probably wouldn't be, uh, be that uh, easy to do. But yeah, I'm, um, I'm really excited for, um, the kind of like next few weeks of seeing what kind of stuff people get, like particularly as uh, people get actual device, you know, because most of the stuff right now is developed with, you know, probably the people not even having the play date and just doing it in the simulator. Right. So. Yeah, um, totally. You know, once, <clears throat> once people start to get those and, and play with them more, I think we'll see a lot better stuff as you know it's developed on the actual hardware and people get a better feel for like what it actually is to like play these games and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. I, um, the the other drawback, I actually didn't mention this in the review because it's not that big a deal, but something that's noticeable about, about this is that um, the Wi-Fi is extremely slow and um, all the Playdate games are all like a few megabytes, maybe like 50 or 60 max. They're really small file yeah, sizes, like, like which Bloom is cool. Yeah, like Bloom 50 megabytes. <clears throat> yeah, and, and a lot of them, a lot of the ones I downloaded off Itch are in, in the kilobytes. So it's like... <clears throat> tiny little file sizes, which is cool because this thing only has four gigs of onboard memory. But um, so you'll go to like download something new and it's like 14 megabits, something that would take like not even half a second on anything else 
takes like two or three minutes to download. Yeah, it's weird. I'm really to, curious. Uh, like, on here. like what the limitation <clears throat> of that is. If it's like I don't know a power um, saving thing, or they just have like yeah, like a really really old school like 802.11b kind of maybe stuff. Yeah, in there, I don't or? know. I I would uh, I I couldn't tell you, but that was the. Another thing besides like a lit screen is something that in the nowadays you were like used to, like not having yeah. to worry about seeing, being able to see a screen um, that caught me off guard. And then like the slow Wi-Fi thing caught me off guard, too. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, like, I guess, though, this this is not really a device like your smartphone, though, where you're just like constantly no. like updating stuff and loading stuff and things like that. Like, right. You know, it's been a. I I don't think it's been an annoyance for me as much as just kind of like, oh, that's weird. It's going so slow. Yeah. Like I, th- I thought it was just um, me before you mentioned something. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's slow for some reason. Um, so scrolling through, um, the, another thing, I don't know if you heard the little note, I'll turn up the volume. Um, the little noises this guy makes, but, uh, there's a lot of personality behind the OS of the play date too, which I think mm-hmm. is fun. Everything's like animated and just like happy. And I don't know. I really like it, but, um, so one of the games I downloaded off Itch, which I thought was kind of cool, I think it's just called Snakes. Oh, yeah, um, I saw that. On, on did the, you get that one? Um, no, I think it was yet. free. <clears throat> um, where is it? Oh, yeah, it is free. 53 kilobytes. Yeah. Snakes. It's super simple. It's um, a clever idea. It's like uh, a dungeon crawler, room by room, top-down dungeon crawler. But um, the goal is to collect all the gold bars in a room before you move on to the next. That's what opens the door to the next room. Um, the catch is that snakes are following your path. And so you are, you can't double back. So kind of like the game snake, but um, it basically follows your path so that you have to figure out the correct route around all the objects in the room or whatever. So you can collect all the gold bars without having to like double back over your snake trail. <laughs> and um, it's really a simple, super simple game really simple visuals and stuff like that, but just like a clever idea that is like, that's what this thing is all about yeah. to me. Like somebody has a cool idea for a game and can just make it. I well, think it said it was made in pulp. So, so, so here we, um, we'll do this in, in I'll, I'll, I'll load it up in real time. So you get an idea. How okay. So I just downloaded it uh, for whatever oh, okay. reason on the Mac, it like, you know, so it's, it's a zip, but then on the Mac, it like uh, decompresses into a folder. So mm-hmm. like I like then recompress it to, Get it to upload on. Oh, your Mac automatically uncompresses. Oh. Yeah, I think it's a Safari setting or whatever. I don't know. But so you, yeah. you go to you go to play.date, you log into your account, you hit upload game, choose the file, pick out the zip file, hit upload. You know, it takes half yeah, a second. It's really simple to sideload, which I thought was really cool. And then, you don't even have to plug it in if you don't want to. Yeah, so plug then it into your computer. On the actual play date, you go back to the home screen and then you go down to settings. And then the first thing in the setting is games. And then you hit uh, refresh. Well, it refreshes automatically when you load that. Um, I've had it kind of take, like, so right now it's looking, I think. Hasn't recognized it yet so this is kind of one of the all right so now it sees snakes snakes is 56.6 kilobit kilobytes uh downloading and now it's well this, so this went pretty fast because it's i mean it's pretty slow or pretty small but um the other ones took a, a weird amount of time but this, this seems, seems pretty cool i don't know yeah uh a lot of cool weird Quirky do you, things. Do you get the? Did you get the case with your press unit? 
Not with the press unit. I had ordered one with my pre-order, but I ended up canceling a pre-order because I was like, I don't really need two of these. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was I was curious how the case is. How, so what do you think of that? It's cool. It's it it um like so the way the case works is it's got these like uh, three pegs on the back that mm-hmm. um, connect into the kind of like circular screw holes on the thing, and yeah, magnet in. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of like wraps around the top and then closes over the front and has like a light magnetic closure on the front of the, uh, on the front of the thing. But what's kind of interesting is that, um, the iPad and, you know, pretty much everything else has trained me into when you close the, you know, the Game Boy, going all the way back to the you know, Game Boy Advance SP, I guess, like it's trained me when you close the thing, like it goes into sleep mode. Um, the Playdate does not have any kind of sensor to sense that like front magnet clasp or anything to to sleep it so you have to do it manually which is um not a big deal it's just you know something i was like oh that's weird that doesn't doesn't know because everything else knows yeah. you know um, right 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 but uh yeah i don't know it seems it seems cool you know good little good little thing to just kind of have while you throw it in your pocket i think like that's what i i really like <sighs> about this thing the most is just like how wildly pocketable it is because um I was, thinking, I know, I was thinking about it anymore. Right. I was, th- I was thinking about it in the car and like the Game Boy Advance SP, I think was like really the last uh, portable game system I had that was like very, very, very easily just like, oh yeah, throw it in the back pocket of your jeans and just go. Right. Kind of thing. I mean, I guess like the DS Lite was pretty decent too, but like, you know, everything started to kind of get like bigger after that. And now, you know, it's like, if you want to take your Switch or you know, Steam Deck or whatever somewhere, it's like you're bringing a bag if you want to take that with you typically anyway. Um, whereas this is, you know, I, th- I would say probably about the similar footprint of the Game Boy Advance SP, but like just the size of the screen, like not, not yeah, it's like the half bottom. the thickness probably. Yeah. So it's like real, real, real easy to just like, you know, throw it in your pocket and go. Um, yeah. Which is yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I might end up ordering one of the cases. But uh, what's, what sucks about like... it, though, is that it's like, um, so, you know, you have the extreme portability of this device. Like, we uh, went to grab dinner yesterday, and I was like, oh, I just got this thing. I can throw it in my pocket, and I'll, I'll fiddle around with it while we mm-hmm. sit there and wait. And, mm-hmm. like, where I was sitting in the restaurant, it was like, I could not, like, get good light. Like, no matter... <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like really, uh, I don't know, just, just such a weird dynamic in that. It's like you have this thing that's like mega portable, but then you just like take it places where you just like kind of can't really play it. I mean, you can because you can you can see the screen, but it's like just it, not great. And it's like very difficult to see compared to if you're actually like catching that correct light. Right. Um, yeah, it's kind of frustrating because um, they're like promo video, too that I think they released when pre-orders went live or something like that was like, um, Oh, here's the screen. It's like going over the features of the thing. It's like, yeah, it's this black and white screen. It's really cool. And it's like, it's not backlit, but it's super reflective and you can play it even in a dimly lit room. And it's like, even by candlelight. And they're like, maybe no, (laughs) you cannot play this by candlelight. You will, uh, ruin your eyesight forever. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I don't know. It's so frustrating because, I feel like, like I was saying, like the Indiglo or some sort of thing where you can choose when to light it up when you need it would be a nice compromise because um, a lot of the times it's fine. You know, like certain rooms in my house is like lit up enough or whatever. But um, 
just the places that I'm at most when I want to game with it are the ones that always seem to have a problem with it. And um, that's just annoying. You know what I mean? It makes me not want to play it as much. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I think it, it, what sucks about it is like, I, I hate getting like brand new hardware and being like, oh, here's these like half a dozen things that'd be really nice if they're tweaked. I hope they make a play date too. You know? Yeah. At this point, like, I feel like a play date too would be years down the road, if oh, at yeah. all, after everything it went through to get this one out the door. So, the uh, their response to this has been uh, pretty funny, though, from like the internet curmudgeon crew that, you know, on like between like Reddit and YouTube comments and hacker news and stuff of people like loudly proclaiming yeah. that I would never, I'm, I am not buying that $180 for a shitty little Game Boy thing. No thanks. I'm not buying it. Like, okay. Well, right. They're sold out through next year. So, uh, <laughs> you weren't going to get one. Anyway, yeah, you're fine. It doesn't matter unless you're going to pay a thousand dollars for it on eBay. What you think is relevant? Yeah, I um, I laugh that everybody's retort to this thing. Like my my least favorite uh, little quip that like the haters want to say is like twenty more dollars you can get a Switch Lite. <laughs> like, okay, well, also buy twenty four games for your Switch Lite and tell me how much money you spend. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, even even. But also, like, that's not the point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can get switch light if you want to switch light. Get it. Actually, somebody their Twitter account is funny. I feel like the people with the shitty responses on Twitter to the Playdate account are the same people that hang out in the Playdate Discord. From what you're describing to me, but um, it was like, oh, I don't. One hundred and eighty dollars. Like, you guys are out of your mind. Like, I have this fifty dollar thing I can get from AliExpress that plays every game I ever imagined. Yeah. And so why would I, and I mean, the it's fair. Account is like, you know, Hey, yeah. if you want the $50 thing and that sounds better to you, like, I think you should buy that. Like, I don't think you should get a place yeah. basically. And people don't know how to react to that. It's like, they want to argue about it, that their opinion about it is right. And like, I, I, that's what I love about this whole thing ever since the beginning, really, because there's been a really, a, a contingent of like really negative, reactions to it ever since it was first shown where people are like this is some hipster bullshit like whatever yeah um and i'm just like uh don't buy it like it's not for you then. yeah it's fine if you don't you think don't... it looks cool i mean this this comes down to what 50, we talked about thousand people so far have thought it looks cool enough to buy so. yeah i mean but this is what we've we talked about a lot before is that like i don't i don't understand this kind of like insistence from internet weirdos that like absolutely everything made must be for them right yeah, you know, I, don't, like, I don't know. It's really strange. But um, yeah, so many people are dead set and they're like, oh, yeah, all these people play with it for a week and then it'll sit in a drawer for the rest of their lives. Like, great, great thing to buy. And it's like, how do you know that? Yeah. And if it <laughs> people does, will probably cool. play this every day forever. Like, there's so many weird little niche devices out there that have audiences. Like, this is a particularly popular one based off pre-order numbers, so... I don't know. People are just so weird about that stuff. Yeah. But Anywho. Whatever. I don't give a shit. I like it. I'm happy it exists. I think it's a fun thing in a space that takes itself way too seriously, way too often, where people are like, so serious about video games. And then here's this little thing that's like, hey, I'm this bright yellow, weird black and white screen crank having thing. Yeah. And it just feels like fun to me. I mean, and, to, to uh, me, I, I paid $180 to play like weird little indie games by developers that I like that make cool things that I enjoy. Yeah. And so far, right. You know, even, even with the complaints of the screen, like the play date has like uh, above and beyond delivered on that. And we are one week into season one or I'm one week. Yeah. Into season one. Well, that, that was where 
the the people complaining it should be fifty dollars too. I always thought it was funny because it was like, okay, well, it comes with twenty four games, and if you even lowball and say each game was five bucks, uh, that's one hundred twenty bucks worth of games that it comes with. So now it's a sixty dollar device if you look at it from that perspective. And does that make you feel better? You know what I mean? And Playday has been really like transparent about these things cost them $98 to produce. That's oh, yeah. their cost, yeah, that's which is surprising. wildly expensive for something like this. But when you think about how specialized it is and how actually, while it has a lot of, of pre-order numbers, it's not anywhere close to like the millions and millions of things that are normally made in like the tech sector. Um, it's actually a low production kind of device um, by those standards. And so, yeah, it's an expensive little thing to make, oh, too. It's a speaking, super specialty thing. Speaking of dumb little expensive things that are probably expensive to make that are a stupid little specialty thing, yes. the Teenage Engineering store has the pocket operator of both Street Fighter and Mega Man as a bundle now that you can buy and save 20 buckaroos. <laughs> well, let's go in on it together. We've both talked about getting one of those things before. So. Oh, man. <laughs> we can I just, split the cost and get funny little devices that we don't know how to use, but... I you just know, it'll be cool. promise that this is going to be like the ultimate dust collector if I buy one of these things. You know what would be funny is if we finally break down, because we've both talked about buying their dumb stuff before. I it's not dumb. It's great. But they make like really niche and really like music-focused type stuff that neither of us would know what the hell to do with aside from it looking like a cool little thing. Um, it would be funny if we finally caved and we're like, fine, we're going to buy one and became like crazy internationally known DJs <laughs> because we learned, we cut our chops on the teenage engineering, like little music devices. Um, so maybe that happens. I don't know. That could happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just, it's so what's, what's strange about this is that in kind of like the world of like DJs and audio people, like yeah. teenage engineering is like God tier and absolutely mm -hmm. if, if anyone uh, complained about the price of like their audio stuff, you would be right. positively laughed out of the room so quickly. <laughs> um, well, not even just them though. That's uh, the audio world in general is like, Oh, you want like a mixing deck or something like that? Yeah. It's like $3,500. Like, you know, that's not like a, a weird thing for that space for things to be expensive. Their stuff's probably like on the cheaper side if you really think about it. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. It's uh so if you look through that lens, like the play date is a extremely good value, I guess. And that's that's kind of why I, I I wanted to get it, honestly, is that like I've always thought yeah. teenage engineering was really cool. Like everything I've seen from them seems really cool. I like the way all their stuff's designed, but it's just like stuff that I don't know how to use that I know will just sit. Whereas yeah. like the play date is all of those things plus something that I actually like and yeah, am currently enjoying using uh, several yeah. times throughout the day, and yeah. don't really see that stopping <laughs> as long as the uh, you know kind of cadence of games keep going. And I have no reason why I wouldn't buy or do whatever you need to do to get season two. And yeah, you know the uh, <clears throat> weekly release schedule thing is like the coolest thing about this because um, it gives you a full week to really give give the two games you got a, a go and actually give them time instead of just dumping them all on you at once like Apple Arcade did and, um, <clears throat> you know, giving you like choice paralysis where you don't know what to play and you end up not playing anything. <clears throat> and I guess we can talk, I don't know if it's spoilering to talk about this week's 
games of season one? What do you think? Um, I think the very first two games are probably fine. Yeah, I won't spoil anything that's coming up, but I feel like um, these are two games too that have been shown off before, so it's not like a massive. I was surprise. I was kind of surprised that you make um, noises everything you do. I was surprised that Crankin the the time one wasn't a yeah. week one game because that has been shown off a million that, times. That's like the poster child game, and I will say, uh, I think it's my favorite game out of all of them. Mm-hmm. So that's one to look forward to. Whenever that may be. Hmm? Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, so the first two games are Casual Birder and um, Whitewater Wipeout. Whitewater Wipeout, I was really psyched for and then played it and was like, I, I am falling immediately every time. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, it's a surfing game that uses the crank for like basically mimics the surfboard, right? So you crank it and the board spins. Um it took a while to warm up to what it wanted me to to do. It's it's very similar to the surfing and TNC surf design on the NES. If yes, you've ever played yes, that, yes. Um, but you basically have a, a a nearly endless wave, and you have to kind of like very gently crank it. <laughs> yeah, very, like that, uh, that was the tip that really helped me out. Is when gently uh, crank it. Yeah, I tell I've been telling people that that's the key to success is to gently crank it, but. It's um, it's 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 all about like getting the right angle of your board so you don't crash, and still being able to like cruise up and down the wave enough to get speed to get like major air. And then once you're in the air, you can crank it wildly and do tons of spins and stuff like that. And then hopefully straighten things out so you can land properly or whatever. But um, it's actually a really cool game, and uh, another like thing that wouldn't really be possible. I guess you could like mimic the cranking sort of with like an analog stick that you rotated slowly or something like that. But um, I feel like the crank makes it fun because it's such an analog thing. Um, Oh, I hear you. You're playing right now. Oh yeah. And then um, casual birder is kind of a cool, I think it has a clever gimmick. This game hasn't really gripped me yet, but it's kind of a little RPG ish type game based around like taking photos and the photo taking gimmick, I think, is really cool. When you go to take a photo, you actually use the crank to get things into focus. And I found that really fun. It kind of like reminded me of, and and I don't know if there's anything like this out there right now, but it um, the like lock picking mini game from like the Skyrim or Fallout or whatever, mm. um, where you're like you rotate the analog stick until you can feel like the jiggles or whatever. Um, it kind of reminded me of that as you're like cranking to focus and get everything just right. Well, there's also so kind of like the, um, so when you go into photo mode, um, uh-huh. you, uh, kind of get like a real small kind of like, I don't know, like reticle for, I don't, I don't know what the right word for it is. Yeah, so right. Where you can actually like see on the screen. So like you yeah. need to have kind of like a good idea of like where the bird is that you want to take a photo of because like, you can only see like, I don't know what we say, like 20% of the screen at a time inside of your, yeah. your, your little mini phone screen in the game. So you're kind of moving that around. Yeah. Then like, once you find the bird, you need to crank to get it into focus. Um, yeah. and what's, what's cool is that you use these collections of, of bird photos in like a bunch of like really clever ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, like that, I, I got stuck kind of like pretty much immediately. Cause I was like, man, I have like, I don't know. I've taken, cause I thought originally it was like, oh yeah, take a picture of all the birds and you win. Um, but I, I 
it took a photo of everything. I was like, I have no fucking clue how to like advance the game. Like what, what do I even do from here? And, but you have to like, yeah. you talk to everyone and kind of like listen to clues surrounding like, uh, something that they're like trying to figure out and you like show them like a particular bird as like the clue to get to the next thing kind of based on mm-hmm. the, like the, the, what the, how the bird is behaving or, like the name of the bird or, or whatever else. And I, like, once I figured that out, I was like, Oh shit, this is super clever. Yeah. <laughs> but before then I was like, man, I, this is, I, I was getting really frustrated because it felt like one of those kind of like obscure sort of like pixel hunting adventure games. Cause it's just like, you're kind of like walking in circles. And like one of the only things you interact with is this acorn you can pick up off the ground. And I was like, I don't like, how do, where do I put the acorn? Like, what do I combine the acorn with? Like, like what switch am I not hitting or whatever else? And I was like, Oh wait, no, I'm like, I need to think about this through the lens of a casual birder. (laughs) And then it all makes sense. So yeah, I I don't, I don't have a, any kind of frame reference for how long the game's going to be. I think your, your album of birds you collect is 24 birds and me playing it for like a, a day or two. I think I've got like six so far. So But I don't know. I mean, that's totally fine, though, because, like, you know, if the cadence of these games and the intention is like, hey, these are something that you should be able to kind of like casually noodle your way through in a week and then get two more. I think that's awesome if that's if that's how all these end up working out. Right. Yeah, I think that's, you know, the the idea. Um, And I like that they're doled out a week at a time. I think that's such a smart way to do it. Oh, yeah, because if this thing just if you load it up and had 24 games, I'd just be like, all right, well, that was cool. And back to the back to the <laughs> yeah, pile of yeah. crap you go but now you look for it every week and um something i pointed out in the review too that makes me it was a small detail i thought was really cool is that the um power button or i guess the sleep button on top um lights up when you have a new game ready and uh that just got me excited like i would wake up in the morning to that purple light pulsing and i was just like oh awesome i can't wait to see what the next games are which i think was the entire idea behind the play date in the first place so how uh, did like um sort of surprise yeah how, how did they handle that from a kind of like here's the because i imagine so they sent you the media kit right and they <laughs> wanted you to have like some semblance of the experience of like the new game delivery but at the same time it seems like everyone got access to all 24 games yeah, the way they did it was that they just accelerated it. So our our games um, unlock two at a time every day instead of oh, every week. Okay. So over the course of 12 days, you unlock the whole season. And then um, I think the amount of time I had the unit, I think that was about half the time. I think I had it for about a month. So you basically unlocked um, all the games halfway through, and then you had another couple of weeks to noodle around with all the games or whatever, which is cool. I still have some, I, I haven't put a ton of time into yet that I'm still looking forward to messing around with. So it didn't totally spoil because we had talked about that beforehand, um, getting a review unit and then having all the games at once that kind of spoils the fun. But, um, I wouldn't say it totally has, um, entirely, but I, I definitely, I'm a little jealous of people on the other side that are just like getting theirs now that get to have the full experience of the season unlocking the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, and sort of like juicing that excitement for a whole week instead of knowing every day you're going to have another couple games yeah, to check I, out or whatever. I'm really excited for season two for kind of, and I really hope that they like sync up that um, release yeah. cycle. So yeah. it's like everyone's like, oh shit! It's like you know Monday the whatever Monday is coming up here. You're like oh shit! Everyone's yeah. game just dropped at eight a.m. or whatever. Yeah, um, I think that was the plan originally, and then they realized it wouldn't be 
right to do it that way because the staggered, you know, they can't get everyone in a unit all at one time. So a lot of people's seasons would be starting. And then if yours doesn't get delivered for two months, then all of a sudden you're starting with all the games unlocked anyway, because, you know, so I think that's their plan for season two is to wait. It probably won't be until sometime next year when I feel like the majority of devices have gotten out there um, that they can be like, okay, we're going to do an in sync season for everybody. So get ready. Um, And that'll be really fun. So we'll see. But yeah, uh, yeah. play date, super awesome. Should you buy one or not? I don't know. If you think it looks cool, yes. I think you'll enjoy it. If you're one of those people that thinks it looks stupid and dumb and pointless, no, <laughs> you shouldn't buy one. Yeah. It's, that seems like it should be that simple, and it is. Uh, is it worth the money or whatever? I don't know. That's up to you. Can you spend nearly $200 on something like this? I mean, if you're even considering it, then yeah, I think it'll feel worth it to you. If it's this or pay your rent this month, no, don't buy the play date, pay your rent. Yeah. Um, also, if if you have any doubts about like the kind of like singular functionality of this device, so spend that money on a decked out RG351V and play yeah. every single game made, uh, you know, in the 16-bit era games, and before yeah. <laughs> uh, for, you know, less than $180 all in, including SD yeah. cards to hold all those ROMs. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, uh, I looked at this thing. I, I forget who said this a long time ago, but I totally agreed with it. And I've thought about it a lot ever since. Um, they said the Sega Dreamcast was the last gamers console. And I feel like there's a lot of truth to that when you really sit down and think about it, because the Dreamcast came out and then got immediately killed by the PS2. And I feel like the PS2 brought in an era of like, oh, this is the sophisticated gaming type era you know what i mean like this thing plays dvds and oh look our games are getting realistic or and and you know should be compared to movies and stuff like that whereas i feel like the dreamcast was like yo we got a fishing lure controller yeah. like go yeah, yeah. fishing and play seaman and you know whatever it has a microphone like it was all this stuff that was like throwing these wacky ideas bright colorful games tons of crazy peripherals like it was just this this crazy thing that was like this is made to play video games and have fun with. And that's pretty much all it does. And the PS2 was sort of like, we're a media center, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I, and not to say that there wasn't weird games on PS2 or GameCube. I feel like GameCube is like a close second as being like the last gamer's console because it did a lot of wacky stuff too. And it was like a fun sort of game playing system. But then the Xbox and the 360 and the PS3 and everything ever since then, I feel like has been a uh, games are this serious thing. Um, and we're all trying to have like the best graphics ever. And that's like, it became like a hardware arms race. Um, when you look back at the Dreamcast, it was like, this thing was a silly like video game console. Yeah. Um, and I feel I, like a lot of that is in the play date where I look at this thing and I'm like, this is a silly video game console that's meant to like be quirky and have fun with yeah. and do a lot of weird stuff. And it's not like, a, oh, also like, yeah, I guess you can get a planner app for it, but it's not like, hey, this is going to also like change your life because it does all these apps and does all this amazing stuff. It's like, hey, put games on this thing and I guess some apps, too, if you want or do whatever. And it has a crank. It's like, <clears throat> you know, I feel like there's that same sort of like fun video gamey like soul, I guess, that that I feel like has been lost in the last couple decades of like console gaming and PC well, gaming. So. Yeah. And, and you know, something I've been talking about with my friends is like, um, I wonder if what we're seeing right now with the chip shortage, 
of like basically anything that isn't uh, able to run on like an arm, like a very generic kind of like arm chip is just like totally boned right now. Is this like the beginning of the end for that kind of like console uh, custom hardware? Like, are we ever going to see like, like another emotion chip or any of that stuff? Yeah, probably. I mean, I feel like that really um, through a, 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 a lot of developers and, and companies for a loop when they had to like really specifically cater to specific console hardware. Yeah. And nowadays you look at it and it's like, I make a game and I put it on everything and it's basically the same code base. You well, know. yeah. And, and particularly, you know, when you have engines that are so popular now between, you know, like Unreal and Unity and everything else, where it's yeah. like, as a developer, you really only need to worry about like any random ass bugs or optimizations that you might right. need to deal with on other platforms. But otherwise your engine just handles everything. Um, right. Is there even a point to that kind of like fancier hardware anymore? Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like it's, I don't blame companies really for doing this because development has gotten so expensive with prices, not really raising to the, the level they need to, to kind of compensate. And I feel like a lot of gamers don't have a realistic view of the realities of that. You know what I mean? They want better graphics. They want longer games. They want better production values. Um, but you can't have all that stuff without a cost. And now we're at the point where there's like thousand person teams making games and stuff and multi, multi, multi million dollar development costs, which used to seem like absurd. Mm -hmm. And so um, you need to make up for that somewhere and making like specific custom wacky things for one specific console just isn't in the cards anymore. I don't think, Um, especially as we move into like cloud gaming and stuff like that, too, where it just doesn't make sense anymore to have something like that. Which I think is a bummer because I would love a video game console to come out and be like, have a bunch of weird peripherals and stuff like they used to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give me some bongo controllers again or, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I feel like that that's that time is sort of gone. And so this is kind of like a nice nod back to those days of like when games were still like fun and didn't yeah. take themselves too seriously. So. I feel like the the Dreamcast and the Playdate are is another good comparison is I, it'll be interesting to see what kind of like software piracy on the Playdate looks like, because like, um, you know, remember with the, the Dreamcast, I don't even think you needed a mod chip to um to run pirated games on your on your Dreamcast, like God, I, I had, don't remember. I had friends that like, holy shit, like they just had the binders just full of because all you need was a CD burner. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah. Um, so there's like binders full of shit for the Dreamcast, and like bought no games. You know, and and what worries me yeah. about the Playdate is like it's it's you know one of the coolest things about it is how completely open it is but one of the things that could potentially really fuck it over is how open it is because yeah. like you know the the two games that i bought so far between like uh bloom and a joke that's worth 99 cents are you know 85 megabytes of totally drm free stuff <laughs> that i could just like email you right now you know yeah, you could just pass that uh, those files around. Yeah, as opposed to like you know everything everything now is so DRM related, and that like you know if we wanted to share stuff on the iPhone, we need to like you know trade accounts yeah. and give each other like the the code on the back of your credit cards. You know, each of us could right. log in and like all this stuff that I feel like most normal people yeah. wouldn't really be comfortable with, as opposed to like oh here's a 15 megabyte zip file, have fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I don't know. I I wonder if that's just like a um a reality that you have to just live with as a developer. And I've noticed a lot of the play date games I got so far were like, pay what you want. 
And so you might live off the hopes of people being cool and being like, hey, I'm going to throw a few bucks at this guy for his game or whatever, guy or gal. And um, also I think the season being bundled with the system kind of guarantees that that's not going to be a huge issue because everyone gets the same library of games. There's no reason to like trade them because somebody's not going to buy a play date and not get these games. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you handle that with season two, because if it was a paid season type thing, um, then you could have somebody buy it and then just distribute the files or something like that. Maybe they'll find some way to not do that. Um, as is, I don't know. I haven't really tried to use this thing as a file system yet, like pull the season games off of it onto a computer or anything like that. Maybe you can't. So I don't know. Yeah. But um, although I guess I think you know, by and large, it's going to be the honor system and yeah. people that actually want to support creators, not minding throwing money towards these little games, right. um, especially when they're good. So. Right. Yeah. And I, I think <laughs> that it's, it's very likely that the audience that the play date will capture are the kind of people that are going to be like, Oh, uh, Bennett Foddy wants $5 for his new game. Yeah, sure. Here right. you go. Like, why would I, Hell yeah. <laughs> why would I, why would I steal from him? Everything else is cool. You know? Totally. Yeah. I, I kind of think so too. So, um, there will for sure be people out there that get this thing and then like hack it and run a million emulators on it and pirate whatever games they can. And you know, whatever, you're not going to stop that sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, Whew. I haven't been keeping track of time, but I feel like we're done. Are yeah, we done? We're, we're long. That's okay. Let's wrap things up. Play date. Super cool. Definitely check into getting one. If you have a pre-order already, you pre-ordered last July. Um, I would say be really excited. It's a super fun thing. It's a super fun thing to get and to experience and um, just know you'll have to sit somewhere with some good lighting, but that's kind of the only drawback I think of this thing. Everything else about it, I really love. So, and if you haven't bought one yet, you're out of luck for this year. It's not even going to be until next year that they start sending out any future batches. But, right. Right. Um, you can get your pre-order in. You can cancel right up until the moment they ship them. You can cancel and get a full refund. So even if you're kind of interested, there's no reason to not put a pre-order in just in case you want one, at least get on the list um, and check it out. So anywho, that's all I have to say about that. I'm sure we'll talk some more about play date as, as time goes on and more games come out. Um, I guess it's kind of fun. There's a weekly release because we could make it a weekly thing on the podcast. Talk about the new game. Yeah, I'm curious what day. Well, yeah, I'm curious what day of the week the the release will drop for me because I got mine yesterday. So does that mean on Thursdays I get my games? From what I understand is that it's um, supposed to be the day you start it up is the day it starts. So a week from that day. Um, I think originally it was going to be time to be Mondays, but now I think it's every, whatever day you started your play date up is that's when your season starts. So one week from that day on is how it'll work. So we'll see. You said you got your yesterday, right? Thursday? Yeah. 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 Thursday morning. Huh. Okay. We'll be, I'll be curious to see when it does unlock for you. Yeah. I, I, one um, thing that I, I, I kind of, it would be cool if they did with this is kind of like bundle people together where it's like, all right, everyone got theirs like this week, like all those people are getting their next game on Monday yeah. kind of thing, you know? So yeah. it's not like, cause I don't know. I can see sure. like a really weirdy weirdo situation where it's like, Oh, I got mine today. Cause the mail came early. Oh shit. I got right. mine on Saturday. You're going to get everything a day before me and it's going to be right. Know, yeah, I'm sure logistically, they probably thought of so many ideas like that, but just logistically, how can you even do that? But ho hopefully they figure something out for season two. Once everyone, majority of people have these, I think it would be a lot easier to do a synced up season and it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anywho, um, thanks again to our sponsor for this week. 
Uh, Terciops Truncatus is the name of the studio, and The Day We Fought Space is the game that is coming out on May 26th, and you can pre-order it now. Definitely check that out. So thanks again to them, and thanks to you for listening to this week's episode. And as always, you can help us out by uh, checking out our patreon.com forward slash tetracade and uh, consider supporting us through Patreon or doing your Amazon shopping through tetracade.com forward slash Amazon. And uh, thanks to our emailers from the last uh, month or so. Um, send us an email, podcast at tetracade.com if you want to say hi. That. With all that, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with another episode of the Tetracade Show next week. See ya.